Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. Well, we're concluding our um, our series today on the miracles of mercy, and so we're going to tie it up today with a, a message called Mercy's Response. And so I'm so excited to get to do that today. And thinking about mercy, it got me to thinking about my son who, um, he's going to third grade now, but in his kindergarten year, um, he had a teacher that had something in her room called the Mercy Board. Now, that wasn't a paddle for those of you who grew up in the 70s and the 80s, okay? Like I did, right? Uh, it wasn't that. But it, it's probably something that you could uh, relate to, which, is, which just means that if you offend the teacher, if you break one of her rules or his rules, then your name goes on the board. Anybody ever get their name on the board at school? I did, maybe once or twice. Now, my husband Danny, probably every day, so we don't know. <laughs> but uh, if your name got put on the board, it was kind of like a warning, okay? It means that you're not in trouble yet, but I've noticed your offense and your name is on the board. Now, if you offend the teacher again, then you may get a check mark by your name, okay? And then maybe you get a note sent home or something like that. Well, my son's teacher called me two weeks into kindergarten. When that school's name comes up on my phone, it's always like, oh no, you know, what now? Here we go, here we go, two weeks in. And so she says, I've been working with Drew for the last couple weeks and there's, we're having an issue. And I'm like, oh my gosh, two weeks. What has been going on for two weeks? And she said, when he goes in the bathroom, he paints the wall with, now don't let your mind go to anywhere. Yeah, I know you're getting there. Soap, he's painting the wall with soap, okay? He goes in the bathroom, he gets the, the liquid soap and he, he paints the wall with soap. We're not sure why, we've talked about it. Uh, but I wanted to call you and let you know, to let him know that we're all on the same page. And in other words, what she was saying was, mercy has ended today, okay? <laughs> That's it, mercy is done. And so I'm just so grateful that God's mercy never ends. Amen? Amen. So Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 tells us just that. It says, the Lord's love never ends. His mercies never stop. They are new when? Every morning. Thank God. Thank God they are new every morning. I'm so grateful that it never runs out. And he never holds a grudge, right? Pastors talked about that so many times through this series that God's love never runs out and his forgiveness never runs out and he doesn't hold a grudge. He has the ability to forget and I'm so excited about that. I wanna to talk to you today about um, an account that took place in Mark chapter one and I just think it's a great example of mercy being shown. And uh, it's about a man with leprosy, which is very interesting. Leprosy was very common in Jesus' day. And there were different categories of leprosy maybe that 
you've heard of or that you've read about. But in those days, maybe one type of leprosy was that fatigue would start in the joints and fatigue uh, or pain would start in the joints and fatigue would take over the body. And then all of a sudden, as the disease progressed, a person would become just a mass of ulcerated growths. I mean, it was just, it was a terrible disease. It could last for decades. It could last 10 years. There's another kind that would begin in the same way, but it would affect the nerves of the body. And so you may not feel any pain, which you would think would be great until you become injured and you don't know about it. You don't know that you're cut or you don't know that you're burned. And all of a sudden, uh, infections begin to set in. And there's even accounts where people, their, their uh, limbs become drawn, their, their hands and their feet, and hands can just fall off from this disease. And some of these can last up to 20 to 30 years. And then there's a third kind that's kind of a combination of the two. A person would become incapacitated mentally. They would go into a coma and then ultimately succumb to their death. So it was a terrible, terrible disease. And in the New Testament, there is no disease regarded with more pity or should we even say disgust than a man or a woman with leprosy. And so this is where we meet this poor soul that has this encounter with Jesus in Mark, the first chapter, and beginning in verse 40. And this is how it goes. And this is what it says. And it's there in your program as well as on the screen. It says, a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. You've got to get the picture here, okay? Uh, People with leprosy could not just be, again, among the public at will. They had to cover their disfigurement with cloths. Um, They had to live away from their families on different parts, uh, just isolated to themselves. And they had to scream unclean everywhere they went. Now notice they didn't scream leper. They didn't scream I'm sick. They didn't scream unhealthy. No, they had to scream unclean. Because most of the time people in those days believed that if a person had leprosy, they had sin in their life, they were immoral, they were unclean. Not only on the outside, but on the inside. So leprosy didn't just kill the body, killed the soul as well. And the fact that this disease, this man with this disease would come to Jesus close and up personal was an amazing feat. It took a lot of courage because he could have been stoned. He could have been whipped. He could have been killed. And we read in Mark chapter one that there had been large crowds following Jesus. And so imagine as he's coming toward Jesus, screaming unclean, the crowds begin to part. And people are getting out of the way because they don't want to touch him, lest they become unclean as well. And as he nears Jesus, he kneels down and asks Jesus, are you willing? Are you willing? 
Not can you, because I think he knew Jesus could. Not could you, because he knew Jesus could. Not are you able, because he knew that Jesus was able. But are you willing? Are you willing? Will you be willing to restore my dignity? Would you be willing to heal me of my loneliness and my disease? And pity would say, look at that poor soul. You know, in the South, we would say, bless his heart, right? Look at that poor soul. But Jesus was moved with compassion. And compassion doesn't just show pity, compassion shows action. And Jesus showed compassion. Another word for mercy in the Greek even is compassion. I heard someone say recently that you can pretend to care, but you can't pretend to show up. And Jesus showed up. Not only was he moved with compassion, but he reached out and he touched this man. And that brings us uh, to point number one inside your program. And it's this, mercy steps in to the brokenness of others. Mercy steps in to the brokenness of others. And isn't that what Jesus did for us? He stepped into our brokenness. He became a human He stepped into our condition. He became one of us. And in Jesus' most famous sermon, his Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter five, he lists nine blessings or promises that if we do this, God will bless us. God blesses those who do these things. And so for lack of space, they're not inside your program and they're not even gonna be up on the screen. But I do want you to listen to this list And I want you to think about the one, pick out the one that we're gonna be talking about today. Listen what Jesus says in these promises, in these blessings. He lists them again in in Matthew chapter five and he says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. God blesses those who mourn for they'll be comforted. And we think of those in Texas this week, don't we? And we think and we ask God to comfort those who are mourning. God blesses those who are humble for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace for they'll be called children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for right for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Now we read one right in the middle, didn't we? Right in the middle is the one on mercy. And we're gonna put that one up on the screen, Matthew 5 and verse seven, and it says, God blesses those who are merciful for they will be shown what? Mercy. This one right in the middle is the one that holds all the others up. It's right in the middle of the Beatitudes. And Jesus stepped into this man's brokenness and understand, again, as pastor talked, we're not saved by, by works, we're saved by grace, okay? And that's what we believe, we're saved by mercy and his grace. But I think what Jesus is saying is once you've received my grace, this is how I want you to live. 
Show mercy so you'll be shown mercy. Show mercy so you'll be shown mercy. Because if we refuse, if we refuse to be kind, if we refuse to show mercy, we're cutting ourselves off from the flow of God's compassion toward us. Think about that. When we refuse to show mercy to those that we don't understand, to those that we think are not in our group, we're cutting ourselves off from the flow of God's compassion toward us. And listen, I don't pretend to say or think that getting into people's mess and into their brokenness isn't messy, because it is, right? I mean, let's just be real. Jesus came into our brokenness and into our mess and it cost him his life, amen? The servicemen and women that stepped into service for me on this Memorial Day weekend that we're serving, they stepped in for my place and it cost them their life, amen? I couldn't do that, they did that for me. So I don't pretend to put myself on a pedestal with Jesus, obviously, or even our servicemen and women that gave their all. But I do say that when you step into the everyday mess of people's lives, it gets messy. I have a funny kind of account that happened to me, a story that happened to me of when I was helping someone, it got a little bit messy. I was 16 years old and Pastor Jeff and Rhonda were my student pastors at my home church in Tacoa, where I grew up. So that's how we met, if you don't know that. And so when they left to go and serve another church after, after serving at our home church, um, I was left at 16 years old in charge of kids' elementary ministry, which was crazy. But that was the case, and, and that's what I was doing. And so I would go on the weekends to visit kids in neighborhoods and invite them to church and talk to their families and see if they would bring them to church. And so this one family agreed to let me bring their kids to church. And I, I believe it was like a Wednesday night program that we were having. And after church, I went to get the kids and uh, one of their leaders very discreetly and very respectfully said, listen, I think the kids have lice. And I was like, okay. So I got them in my car, I drove very quickly <laughs> to their home and I talked to their parent and gave them uh, you know, the situation of what we thought was going on and no problem and got in my, my car and drove very quickly uh, home because I wanted to get to the vacuum cleaner, okay? And so as I got inside, I told my mom what's going on and she's bringing the vacuum out so we can vacuum out my car, just in case, right? Just in case. And uh, when we got there, to our surprise, um, I don't know that we really saw lice, but what we did see was fleas. And so not only did, were there lice involved with this family, but there, was, there were fleas involved with this family. And so nevertheless, you know, we were, we're vacuuming and, and just vacuuming and I'm itching right now just thinking about it, uh, but that's what we did. And so I, again, I don't know, you, you don't want to vacuum lice and fleas out of your car. I get that. But sometimes when we step into people's brokenness and into their mess, it gets messy. Amen? But what we got to understand is, is that when we step into their mess as an agent of Christ, as an agent of God, many times that's the first step to their healing when we do that. So think about 
stepping into people's mess. So either the man was going to be healed here in scripture or Jesus was gonna be made unclean because no one could touch a leper lest they be made unclean as well. How long had it been since he had been touched? How long? No one knows. But Jesus stepped in. That leads us to number two on your outline and inside your program. Mercy shows the love of Jesus before talking about the love of Jesus. Mercy shows the love of Jesus before talking about the love of Jesus. Jesus touched him before he even spoke a word of healing to him. And it is really true that people don't care how much you know till they know how much you care, right? They really don't. So how much you care is what is most important. Do you wanna do good each day? Pastor's been challenging us that every week. What good can I do today? And I believe that I ran across a scripture about in looking for scriptures on mercy, but I never really, I don't guess noticed this scripture before in this way. But Micah chapter six and verse eight, this is the prophet Micah talking to the nation of Israel. And listen what he says about mercy and what he says about doing good. He says, no, O people. And what he's saying is, listen, the Lord has told you what is good. And this is what he requires of you. To do what is what? Right? To love what? Mercy. And to walk humbly with who? Your God. To do what is right, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. That's what good requires of you. Can we ask the question every day, what does love, what does mercy require of me? When you get into that situation where you don't feel like giving love and mercy, can we ask this question, but what does love and mercy require? It requires to do what's right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Because as the body of Christ, if we are not the hands and feet of Jesus, the only thing that's left is a really big mouth. Amen? So the hands and feet are to go before the mouth. That's what Jesus showed us in his example. That's what Jesus showed us. The thing about compassion is that it's not a feeling. I don't feel like giving compassion and mercy to some folks, amen? They don't deserve my mercy and compassion. But mercy, in order for me to have it in my life, I have to give it. It's a decision, it's not an emotion. I was in Chick-fil-A's drive-through the other day for breakfast and we love this Chick-fil-A, all Chick-fil-A's, but the one down here by the church is very, very convenient for us on our way into the office. And so I stopped by there to get a biscuit and for me, my preference is egg and cheese. And I know that's a weird thing to order at Chick-fil-A. I probably could order that anywhere, but that biscuit at that Chick-fil-A is just really good. And so I stopped there for egg and cheese biscuit and I ordered with the little girls, you know, they're out there with the iPads and they do such a good job. And I walked, kind of drove around and there was another girl there with an iPad. So I rolled my window down and I said, oh, I'm sorry, I've already ordered with the, um, the girls and the, that, you know, right when I came in. And she got a little snippy. And I thought, that's not very Chick-fil-A-like. 
why am I not your pleasure today, you know? And it hurt my feelings a little bit. But I thought, you know what, girl, you're doing this message coming up, and you better be nice, because you want to be able to tell these people that you did the right thing, right? And so I apologized and, and gave her the information that she needed and told her thank you for what she does. I appreciated it so much and went right on about my business. Mercy is a decision, right? It's not a feeling. It's an emotion. It's not an emotion. When the, it, it, you get emotional, you know, when those people cut you off and in traffic and those kinds of things, but it's really a decision. Uh, and in this single decision, this man was restored in his body and in his soul. In this decision that Jesus made, he was made whole. Look at what happened next in verse 43. It says, then Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning. Don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to a priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. Now, this is real interesting because usually we kind of just skip over this type of thing because the healing has already taken place, right? That's the big deal. But right here, this is very important. Like whatever is in God's word must be important in some way. And according to this, Jesus was saying, listen, if you go and tell everybody, I'm not going to be able to move freely as I am right now and help more people. So it was really a logistical thing is what it looks like on the surface. But according to Leviticus 14, we call this the law of Moses, okay? The law of Moses showed us how a man with leprosy could be healed or cleansed rather with the priests. And so what a man with leprosy in order to be considered clean, he would have to go to the temple, he would have to bring a a lamb to be sacrificed, the blood of the lamb would have to be applied to the right earlobe and the right thumb and the right foot, the big toe of the right foot. And that's how a leper would be considered clean after he was examined by the priest. It's interesting to note that in Leviticus chapter eight, Moses in his law gives us um, the, the steps in which a, a, a priest would be made holy, how he would be made or, uh, ordained, if you will. And so in Leviticus chapter eight, a lamb would have to be brought to the temple. The blood would be, have to uh, be dabbed on the right ear, on the right thumb, and on the right big toe. Do you see the similarity in that? The same blood that cleansed the leper is the same blood that made the priest holy. Can I tell you today that the same blood that cleanses people who feel like a leper in their spirituality is the same blood that cleanses those of us that may feel like priests in our spirituality. It's the same blood and everybody gets cleansed by the same blood. Amen. You got to clap for that. Amen. 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 It's the same blood. And so today, maybe there's somebody here and you feel like a leper spiritually. Maybe on the inside, you feel like your heart is disfigured. And maybe you feel shunned. Maybe you feel lonely. I don't know what you feel like. Maybe you grew up in church and you never really did anything wrong that maybe people would consider you clean like a priest. 
But you, on the inside, you know that there's been some distance between you and God. And so today, I want to pray a prayer. And it's called the prayer to become a Christ follower. Maybe you've prayed it a long time ago, or maybe you've never prayed it. But today, what I would like for us to do is I would like for all of us to, to say it out loud. And so today, you're going to know that if you're praying it for the first time, you've got an army of people that are supporting you. And we're going to all do it with you. So if everybody would, would you close your eyes and let's say this prayer after me. Dear God, thank you for sending Jesus as the perfect lamb, the one that takes away all of our sin. I ask you today to take my disfigured heart. I ask you to cleanse me like only you can. Forgive my sin. I am nothing without you. Help me to follow your will and turn from this life of despair. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give everybody a hand online and in this room that came to Jesus? Amen. On the back of your connection card, I just need you to do me one favor. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or you prayed that prayer for the first time in a long time, would you... Check that box on the back of your card that just says, I'm praying the prayer to become a Christ follower. I pray that everybody would at least fill out the front so that we can pray over you because we pray over every card every single week. We thank you for doing that. Remember Jesus asked him to go quietly to the, to the priest because he knew that if he didn't go quietly, he's not gonna be able to move as freely. But the man just couldn't keep quiet. And so in verse 45, this is what happened. But the man went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. And as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Number three on your outline, mercy is willing to pay a price. Mercy is willing to pay a price. The price that Jesus paid here, even before his death, was that he could not travel openly. Instead, he had to stay outside in lonely places. Do you remember what he delivered the leper from? Loneliness. Not only the disease of his body, but the disease of his soul, which was loneliness. And now Jesus here is experiencing what he delivered the leper from. Loneliness. So he traded places. And when you show your mercy to the least of these, as Jesus has talked about, it may come at a cost. It may come at a cost of you getting involved in their brokenness, in their mess. It may come at a cost of you having to vacuum fleas or lice out of your car. It may come at a cost. Here, it costs Jesus his anonymity. You know, many times here at this church, we've decided that we're gonna do something. We're gonna go after this group of people because they need to know Jesus or that group of people because they need to know Jesus the lost. And there's been times throughout our church's history that Christians have left because of a group of people that we were trying to tell Jesus about. There's many times a cost. And in Luke 6.36, Jesus says that he was about his father's business. Look what he said. He said in Luke 6:36, be merciful just as your father is merciful. 
You may say, I don't want to be inconvenienced. It's too hard. It's too much. And can I tell you that if we decide it's too much, that again, we cut off the mercy that God has for us. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Because if we don't show it, we don't get it. If we don't show mercy, we don't get mercy. So don't let the lack of mercy hinder your prayer. In the Middle Ages, there were churches that were built in England that now would be over a thousand years old. And you know, in those days, in the Middle Ages, leprosy was still common. And a leper would maybe have to dress in black to let everyone know that he was living in a leper's house or in a leper's colony. And if he were to visit the house of worship on a day unlike today where people were not gathered for public worship, the priest may come to him, he may read him or say to him and talk over him the last rites because he was in fact a dead man walking. And on days of public worship where the priest would find a a leper coming to church, he would be shunned, he would be kept outside as the people came inside for worship. But there was one way that a leper could be involved in worship. He couldn't come in, but he could peer inside. And the way that he could do that was through what was called a leper's squint. And so we have this picture of a couple of churches with the leper squint. It was either a a hole cut in the wall or it was a door that they could peer through into church. It was probably pointed toward the altar area where symbolically the mercy seat of God would be placed. They couldn't go in, but they could peer through. They could peer inside. They could listen. They could see but they didn't take part. And I don't know about you, but I'm so glad that Jesus traded places with me so that I don't have to be outside peering in, wondering what it's like to be in God's family, but I can be a part because of the mercy and the grace and the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So today, the question is, will you and will I? Will I have mercy on people that need God's mercy and grace shown to them? So real quickly, on the back of your connection card for the rest of us, will you along with me, will you check that box that says, I will do my best to respond with mercy? Will you respond with mercy? Will you be mercy's response to those that need to know him and need to see his grace and his love lived out in our lives. Would you stand? Because I want to pray for you this morning before we worship. Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for these people, my church family. God, they show your grace and your mercy every time they hug a person as they come in. God, every time they serve on their jobs, in their schools, at their work, Lord, wherever they go, when they go to a serve Saturday and they serve praying for people in a square or 
whatever, putting food together in a food pantry so people can find what they need. God, thank you, Lord, that this church shows mercy and grace to those around us. Lord, now let your Holy Spirit go with us and remind us that when it's hard, Lord, sometimes it's hard. It's not always easy. But God, when it's hard, let us remember that mercy and grace is a decision. It's not an emotion. And so, God, we thank you that because, Lord, we show mercy, that you will show mercy to us. And we give you grace. And, God, today we receive your mercy. God, we receive your grace. And it's in Jesus' name. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.